This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, goalies gifts on Derby Day. And there's still plenty to play for for both city clubs in the post-split fixtures. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duthie. And podcasting alongside me today are Alan Temple. Hello. George Cran. Hello. And Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. And we'll start off today with me being the odd one out, because I take it you three were all at Tannadice for the derby. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, we smile from there, <laughs> there. Yep, 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 yep. We were there. But I'll say, one of the first things I'll say, it's, it's funny, the things you never think of, it creeps up on you in the years of doing both clubs, even though you're a fan of one. Uh, when United went 2-0 up, I was like, oh, well. And then Dundee scored those two goals, and I was like, hooray. And 10 minutes later, I was like, that's bloody typical United. <laughs> God's <laughs> sake. I was like, oh, this is doing my head. I had to go for a lie down. I was so, I was so confused. But it was a... Uh... Well, we'll start with the home team first. It was an entertaining game, Alan. Yeah, confusing is a is certainly a good word. I think after 55 minutes, I don't think anyone could have envisaged how the game was going to end. Um, it's worth pointing out, I don't think Dundee United were fabulous until that point. Uh, they had taken their chances, the first of which was handed to them by some errant goalkeeping, the second of which is a moment of magic slash another moment of not terrific goalkeeping, depending on how you want to look at it. But beyond that, there hadn't been a whole lot of chances. And in the opening 10 minutes, I thought Dundee were relatively bright. But the bottom line is you should absolutely not be shipping a two-goal lead against a team that doesn't score many goals and are rooted to the bottom of the league, particularly if it's a derby in front of... Uh, three sides of your own stadium which are sold out and desperately want you to go for the jugular and put the boot in, twist the knife, whatever metaphor you fancy. So it's it was a quite an unsatisfying afternoon from a Dundee United perspective, yet did the job for them, which is odd. It's kind of a microcosm of Dundee United season, actually. You know, they've achieved their goals, but kind of leaves everyone feeling a little bit dissatisfied and as if it's there's more there to give and lots of improvement to be to be made. Sounds like this podcast. Sounds, a like, sounds like my life. <laughs> <laughs> Only there isn't really more to give. People just thought that. <laughs> um, seeing this is actually the Dundee section, we'll is obviously it? get to United more. Well, no, I've just read that, George. I should you actually go on to you first. Just keep but, going with the United section. But never, no, no, no. Um, we'll, we'll go on. Cause again, United, it's a confusing thing, the United thing. And, and almost for Dundee... As Alan says, confusion is sort of the word, certainly emotionally, because Dundee must have, you leave that pitch feeling great, because if you're going to, if you're going to draw a derby, you're better to be the team that comes from behind. And, and you could see, I think you could see with Charlie Adams equaliser, his emotion, but in the end, it probably wasn't enough. Well, that's the thing that I was just thinking back to when we were talking about only a couple of weeks ago. If Dundee were going into the split more than four points behind, we were all saying there's pretty much going to be curtains. curtains. I think it's actually the phrase we might have used. Yeah, it's um, great. Mine's yeah. yeah. Um, and now they're five points behind, but it doesn't feel like they're doomed because of the way they came back, the way they came back against Aberdeen. They've shown there's a bit of fight there, there's a bit of belief. And we've, we've talked a lot about Charlie Adam and him. 
huge an impact he has on that team and it, it just went to show uh, with his impact in the, in the second half. And Dundee overall, I thought, were quite good, although United could easily won it after it went 2-2 as well. I thought Dundee were probably the better team in the first half, not by a huge amount, but just about Danny Mullen should have scored in the first half, missing from about a yard out, I think, but then made up for it by scoring from a yard out in the second half. That was, it, was, it was was that fair to say that was Peter Van Vossen plus Danny Oh, Mullen's it wasn't. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that, Van Vossen feels just had to touch it in the right direction. Yeah, Van. I, I don't know about the rest of you, but I mean, if if you remember, but at least Van Vossen remember, had yeah. to kick the ball. <laughs> he, Danny Mullen yeah. just had to angle his foot on, in yeah. the right place, and and the ball comes off it and goes in. It I guess so if you're if you're playing devil's advocate and being very very generous. He clearly doesn't think the ball's going to make it that far. I guess that's the difference between mm. a natural predatory number nine, which I don't think anybody would necessarily say Danny Mullen yeah. is, and being a, perhaps a more diligent, hard-running striker. I guess it's maybe not in his instincts to assume that the ball's going to fall to him in the six-yard box. I think he was just caught unsighted, whereas Van Vossen, <laughs> I think he had, he had, what, five minutes to weigh <laughs> off that finish? Yeah. I, think, I, thought, I think you're being I think harsh. So. Um there's another thing where the ball stopped beside him. It's maybe easier if the ball flies past the post. Yeah, and then obviously kicked the goalie in, in a bit of frustration. Yes. I think absolutely. Oh, that's, all, that's always okay. Um, but he made made up for it, and he yeah. got a, a crucial goal. Kamiker playing a good part in that. I thought he was really good actually. Although we're talking about goalkeeping, you could probably point the finger at Benji Segrist as well. But will that bear? Feels yes, it feels like time for Bear <laughs> to speak. It was a it was a derby of goalie gifts, wasn't it? It was, in a sense, I mean, certainly for for United's goals, keepers make all sorts of mistakes. I know, <laughs> I've made them all. But it was, rather than being a handling error or a fumble or anything like that, it was an error of judgment from Ian Lawler. Um, and it was one of these ones where, you know, and on a normal day, he might have got to that ball, but he was hesitant first off. And then the ball had hung in the air so long. I think everybody, you know, his, his own teammates, the fans were, were clamouring for him to come in and he decided to come and it was the wrong decision completely because he never got anywhere near it by the time the ball, the ball, in fairness, did drop like a stone. Uh, Ross Graham has done incredibly well recently. He got his head on it and it, it fell right for Nicky Clark who had picked up predatory instincts in the box. And it's in the back of the net. Um, second goal again. I'm, I'm looking at it from away. I wondered. I'm looking great at great strike by Charlie. Mulgrew, well, I'm looking at. Did he invite this? I'm at the top end. I'm at the top end, looking down. It was across the moment and, He said it was yeah, across. <laughs> yeah, that went down. Moving right. swiftly on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm looking at it from the top end, and, and straight away, you know that. I mean, I know Charlie Mulgrew is looking at putting a good ball, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking he's looking to try and hit the back post here with this and hit the back corner of the net. And I think uh, looking at Ian Lawler's initial position, I think it's a poor s starting point. I think he's too far forward. I think if he takes uh, a couple of paces back, one, he gives himself a chance to get there, but two, he also puts uh, doubt in Charlie McGrew's mind, mm -hmm. thinking, you know, I'm, I mean, he's going to get there. His front mm -hmm. post is covered. He's, he's got two, men, he's got two yeah. men in the wall. So for Charlie McGrew to get up and over that wall and get in at that near post would take something spectacular and for Lawler not to get there. But Lawler's starting position gives Charlie McGrew all the incentive he needs. But 
I've got to say, having watched the back, it's a fantastic yeah. sight. Tom. It um, is a fantastic sight. And I was standing and, and we're 2 nothing down and, and I don't think Dundee did much wrong in the game at that point in time. And I didn't think United had done too much great. Mm -hmm. But Dundee found himself two goals behind. And you thought, here we go again. And I've got to say, there were a few, not many, there were a few Dundee fans actually left at that point. But it was vital that Dundee got back in the game pretty sharpish. And George is right, Cammy Kerr as well, putting the cross in the box. I'm not sure if Danny Mullen gets is going to get his head on the cross anyway, but Benji Seagrass takes the sting off the ball and it drops yeah. nicely for, for, for Mullen. And then, you know, within sort of, was it a couple of minutes, George, you'll know the exact yeah, timing of it. It was 57 seconds from kickoff. But it's quite amazing. I think Dundee and, you know, and, and the second goal, and some things seem destiny to him. And I always thought when Charlie Hurm came to Dundee, it was, it was written in the stars that he was going to have some sort of scene in Derby. We would have all liked to have been a winner. But that was that was, no, that, was as, that was as near as I've got to see. Yeah, was, I've got my hand up here disagreeing. As. Three sides of the ground didn't seem to want it to go in. And you're just on about goalkeeping. I did. You're on about, on about goalkeeping errors. And when when he hit it, 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 was a, it was a good strike. But when I saw Seagree not actually diving for it, I thought that ball must have taken a fair swerve in the air. And then when I saw it on, on the television... It moves, but you know, I think he may have been unsighted initially. I think it was Ryan Edwards who was standing in front, but ben Benji seems to have put all his weight and all his bets on the ball going to his left. Yeah. And by the time he's, he's thought about moving right, the ball has passed him and into the net. And of course, it was just bedlam. It was absolute bedlam from that point on. And it turned, I've got to say, it turned into a fantastic final 30 minutes for, for a game that wasn't so great, but was it too all? The final 30 yeah. minutes was absolutely fabulous. United had about four chances, two guilt-edged chances, but Dundee weren't a pin-back. Dundee had about four chances themselves. Benji's had to make a couple of saves. And it's the way football should be. I'm fed up going to games where you're watching 90 minutes of absolute drivel. Get that 30 minutes and that sort of thing happening week in, week out, and you'll get the fans back. And it turned into a, a great derby. I think more so for Dundee fans, who it felt more like a win coming out of the stadium, Tom. Aye, but what I mean, it was... In some ways, it's great to see guys that are coached hour after hour, day after day. They just all seem to lose the plot in the last <laughs> half hour, didn't they? It was, like, it. it was like ping pong. No. And there could have been... Liam Smith almost scored. Um, was it Paul McMillan near the end? Almost scored. And McGinn hit the bar. Yeah. I was going to say, but people seem to have kind of overlooked that McGinn hitting the bar. It was on the great shot. He, he yeah. almost hit the bar. You know, sorry, he almost won the game with a chip from 30 yeah. yards. What a moment that was. was a difficult ball. I've got to say, it was one of these ones that as in the first half, you looked at it and initially you thought that's sailing over and it drops like a stone yeah. at the last minute yeah. and hits the top mm -hmm. of the bar, you know, and it was, it was, you know, if you'd been another foot, it would have went under the bar. So. Yeah, was, it, was it blustery? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. that what comes out? I mean, I was slightly surprised he didn't start, but is that what comes of a very experienced, good player sitting on a bench? He tries that maybe because he's been sitting watching. He's seen, you said the first goal, the ball suddenly drops like a stone. Players, yeah. good players try things mm -hmm. partly because of conditions. Hadn't crossed my mind, but it's a thought, definitely. Hadn't crossed my mind until I said it. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think being an international player, he's, he's yeah. it, it's a very difficult strike from 30 yards to beat Benji Seagrees. There has to be something spectacular. He's clever enough to think maybe maybe the, the lob might, might get there. And it almost did. It almost worked out for Dundee. It was a good substitution for Dundee at halftime, bringing him on. Yeah. You know, you, you see what McGinn brings. And we've said this before a man that's got more than 60 international caps. Has got a lot to give and a, a, enough experience in his locker 
you know, what to do in certain points of the game. And, you know, he nearly turned it for Dundee there at the end. But it's still five points. Still five points is a big five yeah. points. Although we were just discussing the fixture list uh, before we started recording that it's maybe done them a favour having St. Johnson up first. They've got the chance to coming off the back of feeling good about the Derby draw, feeling good about the Aberdeen draw. St. Johnson are not feeling very good about their seven no. 0 Seemed to be a bit something. Timid. Sounded like Celtic declared at seven. As well, it, it could have been more. Um, so I think it could be good time, good time, and I think to, f- from a Dundee point of view, having a home game against St Johnston, they have to win. Obviously, uh, draws just will keep keep them mathematically alive. But anything else in the wins going to be no good. I wouldn't have thought. But fixture list, I wouldn't be overly worried about Dundee, although they've not won many games all season. But. <laughs> Livingston away has got to be looming large and giving fans nightmares though. But if they're still alive at that we point, I think Dundee that. will if take Dundee are, If Dundee are down, if they're alive, they'll take a good support, but if Dundee are down by then, that could be... <laughs> you might not know there's a game on if you walk past <laughs> with your dog. For, for those of us that are at an age, uh, of an age, um, obviously it goes back to 2005, yeah, I think it's it been was. Mentioned a few and, times, uh, yeah. At the, at the telly, we'd actually produced posters because the, there was uh, three teams who could take the drop, I think, on that day, and Dundee and Dundee United were two of the three. And Inverness to Livingston. Yeah, and and it was Dundee, we are staying up, and United, we are staying up, and I always remember at full time at Livingston, all these posters blowing about on the terraces. I think we've got a few calls from Councils from Inverness to Livingston saying, do you want to come and pick all these posters <laughs> up from the side of the road? Strewn all over Scotland. Uh, it was Livingston that stayed up, was it? Yeah. Dundee could have sent them down, I think. I think it was. Yeah. If Dundee beaten Livingston, Livingston would have gone yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. Who scored the goal that rel- confirmed well, Dundee's relegation? He's yeah, now a radio I, pundit. Uh, never a radio pundit. He's now a radio pundit. I did read it the other week. Former Dundee United player, and I can tell you, I spoke to him after the oh, game. And he was yeah. distraught. Yeah, he was no, absolutely no. distraught. Made the point that he knew a lot of the Dundee players socially. Oh, no, I was waiting to tell man, he's a Dundee player. He, the poster. He, he, he was yeah. greeting on the end. Of, he was yeah. still greeting at the end of the game at and, that point. Yeah, come on, then, Tom. Who was it? Is it quiz? Is it quiz again? Remarkable. Tom's revenge. Five. Oh wait a minute, it's me that knows the answer. <laughs> It was Craig Easton. Oh, so it was. Oh, a header yeah. too. I don't think so Craig scored many yeah. errors. <laughs> I but he, but I, I spoke to him after the game and genuinely he was distraught. I still remember. Because I remember pointing out, you were at the game, but I remember pointing out to him, if, if it hadn't been a game when there was so much at stake, in all honesty, it would have been two oh. or three for Livingston. They were yeah. much better than Dundee. Yeah, Dundee took the lead. The, the yeah. young lad, was it? Was it Callum? Was it Callum? I don't remember. The defender, was it Davidson? Went up to Been too many relegations to remember the deep. Remember. That's, that's terrible, but I do remember we were relegated and the feeling the big, coming out of the ground. Callum, the big defender. What I would say now is Dundee fans would bite your hand off to have oh, that yeah. scenario again. Mm. I mean, it'd been, the chance, yeah. Yeah, just the chance to go yeah. there and keep themselves afloat. Yep. And I'm just looking at the split here. Hibs expected to be in the top six. Uh, Aberdeen definitely expected to be in the top six. St. Johnson being the club that are, 
probably didn't expect to be in the top six, but the rest of the country might expect mm. them to be in the top six. Particularly Hibs and Aberdeen, because they've got slightly less to play for. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for Dundee? Well, their season's over. so well, I, They've still got some good players. Yeah, but, well, yeah, we have seen games at the end of the season be quite George, high scoring because players don't care anymore. However optimistic you are, I'll find a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm about to find the cloud because St. Johnson have to play these teams as well. So if they're on their holidays for the last five games, they're on the holidays for Dundee and St. Johnston. Um, so that's something that <laughs> doesn't go in Dundee's favour, being quite so far behind. But at the very least, they've given themselves a chance by... They've not won a game yet, but they're they're getting pretty close to it. Now, it feels like if they get one, they might get more than one. And Alan, credit to the Dundee players. I mean, you saw it for yourself last week. Their attitude can't be questioned. And that's a... In the end, if you're not good enough, you're not good enough. But the one thing you can do is try your best, and they, they do. No, absolutely. I think last week we suggested the notion that if Dundee United got an early goal or got a couple of goals ahead, what that could You'd do... You'd be very to, kind. That was actually me. That said. Yeah, that's uh, unforgettable. We'll edit this bit out. Unforgettable, <laughs> as always. It's, um, uh, we suggested that, you know, what effect could that have on the travelling supporters? What effect could that have on the Dundee team? Could it be, you know, another 6-2 or whatever score it may be? And instead, they fought back diligently and they it was rousing and it was creditable and it was completely belied their position in the league table so you can only credit them for that as I say a United got too deep they invited Dundee on them and it should never have allowed it to get to that stage but it takes two to tango and for Dundee's credit they you know they showed real guts and determination and the sort of spirit that they're going to need to get out of this but it seems like a few weeks now we've been saying but they need to win games. Yeah, we need to yeah, stop yeah. giving them credit for you know hard-fought draws or showing spirit. Fine, gumption. You don't. You you know if you get relegated, having showed spirit, it means absolutely nothing. You know, so it's uh, now comes the the time where it actually is all about winning a game. You can forget about this talk of spirit and being hard-fought and the gradual improvement. That gradual improvement needs to become three points when they play St Johnston. Just to, in the wake of last week's comment about United running away if they got an early goal, uh, our little WhatsApp group, lads, was obviously hacked because I certainly didn't send a message saying <laughs> at 2-0 saying, I told you, expletive yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't me. It's admirable as well because you only had four minutes to send that message. I could, I could be in Parliament. Eh? <laughs> it was a sensational U-turn, I'll give you that. <laughs> Just show us God hates you all the time. <laughs> well, just, just you or oh me? Right, what a motto! Get, oh get that on a t-shirt, Tom. I think, I think Dundee got there first. Mm. <laughs> the thing was, you weren't alone. As, as I've said, there was a lot of yeah. Dundee fans who were after the game who, you know, had missed Dundee's two goals because they'd left at that point in time, and it just shows you you should never. You should never sort of rule anything out in football. Yeah. We've seen it all happen, you know, before. And uh, but sometimes where you are, and you've had a few kick-ins and a few very low blows, it gets to the point where you just go, just had enough. You know what? I, we just can't. Yeah. We just can't do I it. Just, well, I was thinking back actually as well to the last relegation, which wasn't that long ago. But the, <laughs> the spirit around the place or around the, the team, anyway, was completely different. It was miserable, and it, they were. Clo I think they were only a point off St. Mirren at this stage, but. 
I think they'd lost seven in a yeah. row or something. There's a lot of new time. players in there. Yeah. There's a lot of players yeah. who'd come in in the transfer window in yeah. sort of December. A lot of loan players. Jim McIntyre brought a whole new team in effectively. Ah. Maybe that's one thing that Dundee can take heart from. If, if the worst does it's come at the worst, yeah. they'll have a score of players. Yeah. And I know there will, be, there will be changes over the summer. Of course there will. But they might still have a nucleus there that will put them in a good place going forward. You know, they still have a, have a squad there who've maybe still got the benefit of that championship success only 12 months ago to take take heart from and the fact that, you know, knowing that, you know what, they know it will, will be tough if they do go down. But I think they, they would reckon they would have a fair old chance of coming so. back up. And, you know, if you've got that experience behind you, we've seen it before, Tam, where a manager tries to rebuild an entire team in the summer in, in the championship. And it just doesn't work. We saw Robbie Nielsen when he, at Dundee United. He didn't have instant success, but what he did do is he, he built it. He had a team in place from probably about Christmas on. And, you know, by the time they got to the championship at the start of that season, and yeah, they, they got off ready, to an yeah. absolute flyer. And he's done the same with Hearts, to be fair, you yeah. know, you mm-hmm. know, a couple of seasons ago. Um, but Dundee should have a nucleus here, but then we'll just have to wait and see where it goes. We're unsure where the manager is, so... Yeah, well, I, th- I think the squad's if if the worst happens, the squad is in good shape. Plus, they won't have a Hearts or a Dundee United at that stage up against them in the championship. They'll and we'll have Ricky Lamy, so that's what. That's <laughs> what <laughs> no, no, <laughs> he seems to have. Yeah. Cast a question. I know. Mark well, that's, I, I always wondered about pre-contract. I, I never thought they were cast iron. No, there's, not. there's always no, something. Not been ripped up before. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, it's no surprise, really. I mean. He wants to play in the top flight. He already does for Mullerwell. Um, I the think ma- the thing about the contract well. is technically if you sign a contract with someone, it's legally binding. But then if you if you rip up the pre-contract and say I'm not coming, because it's a football rule that isn't reflected in the wider working world, if you like, yeah. a court saying, well, you can't make a guy mm. work a, for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, a legally so binding, it's, not worth, it's a legally binding contract from with a, set, a start date in the future. So yeah. It's, it's perfectly escapable. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, and I think. I, th- I think they know. I mean, no, nobody's prepared to test it. I, I yeah. think if, if a player turns around and says, I've changed my mind, or a club turns around and says, we've changed our mind, Cost it doesn't you, stand up, does it? Cost you fortunes and you, you're not sure of yeah. victory. And no doubt Ricky will probably get it. a bit of criticism for this, but as George was about to allude to there, I, I mean, not only are Dundee in danger of relegation, but they've changed their manager. You yeah. know, he yeah. signed for one manager and, and is now potentially going into a club where even Dundee players don't know who their manager's mm. going to be next season. I mean, does any anybody listening, would they really blame them? Yeah. This, is a, this is a man's career, ah, a yeah. short career. Ah, and to totally digress here, I, I like to think things like that Almost every player has an agent. Agents, I mean, that they've got a duty of care. As Alan says, managers can change. I would hope that there's a clause in that pre-contract saying mm-hmm. if the manager this applies, yeah. this applies to James McBake being manager. Mm. If if the manager changes, well, both yeah. parties can then turn around from both sides from a club. But I know in football. I, <laughs> I, I doubt it. I really well, do. It, of Ricky Lamy or his agent, anyway, certainly put in a clause. Say if Dundee go down, he could say no if he wanted to. So, Aye, um, which is sensible because yeah, they were painful but smart. They were, I, don't, I don't really understand. They were bottom of the league at that point. Why he so. signed it? Although I, the other I, side, the, I get the feeling that the other be a good side of the coin is that what what I've heard is the contract he was getting Dundee was substantially more that was up than what he was on, on at Motherwell. Yeah, yeah. I, I would expect that's the case. Yeah. So 
you know, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see where, where they go at Motherwell and if they can come to some sort of agreement with him because he's sort of if he's saying, well, I'm staying. I mean, he's obviously out of the contract. You'll have to sign a new deal at Motherwell. Well, what, he's just what, got he's just got yeah. the goal they got him in the I top six. That might so be that might be the thing that saves him at Motherwell if he stays. But but if he hadn't scored that dramatic injury time goal to put them in the top six, bit of a problem him running out the first day of next season at Fir Park and the fans understandably could turn around and say you're only here because the club you wanted to join got relegated yeah. you don't really want to be here yeah. so and from Sam from Dundee's perspective he's also he's obviously <laughs> he's obviously going to be on a decent wage but that, that frees up a decent wage for to go and get someone else you, yeah. what you don't want is somebody who doesn't want to be there that's, no. that's a yeah. fact no. so it could be a win-win for both parties yeah anyway that's that dealt with <laughs> after this we'll We'll start with Dundee United and, and stick with Dundee United. <laughs> right, moving on to Dundee United <laughs> again. Alan, I'll start with you. Oh, deja vu. This is the most confusing split. Those Derby emotions just <laughs> fried my brain and it didn't take much frying, to be honest. But the thing we, we didn't mention when we slipped into United mode earlier, it... It's a commendable achievement. They're in fourth place. They've got top six. Tam Court's first season uh, in senior management. He, in fairness, isn't getting completely carried away and maybe that was partly the disappointment of seeing the two-goal lead blown last Saturday. But he himself says it's a squad in transition. Did the derby show that so far so good, but there's more to be done? 100%. And... In relation to the squad and transition comments, those were made specifically in relation to the amount of players that have departed the club. You know, your Lauren Shanklins, Jean Fuchs, uh, even squad players like Mark Reynolds, Louis Aperi, and also the injuries they've got, Paulette, Ian Harks, guys like that. You know, these are not inconsequential challenges and they've still managed to get into the top six, which was the primary achievement. It's the first time since 2015 that Dundee United will be playing top six football after the split. And they're firmly in contention for a European place, which will be the first time since 2012 that they'll be playing in Europe. So whilst I do understand the um, the frustration of some supporters, because it hasn't been spectacular all the way through, I did a piece this week that pointed out that in 10 of the 20 previous Premiership campaigns, Dundee United's current total would not have got them in the top six. So it kind of underlines that there's a mix of Dundee United doing their job and the rest of the league being pretty... Um, or maybe it's just I dog don't, eat dog. Yeah, I don't, want to similar. I don't want to use the word mediocre, but there's certainly parity between a lot of the yeah. teams in the yeah. Premiership. I would say that it's competitive and there's parity. Personally, I don't think there's a great deal of quality. I don't think it's a vintage league this season. However, Dundee United have done their job. Tam Courts has done his job and he deserves immense credit for that, in my opinion. Um, the next five games will decide whether or not we look back on Tam Courts' maiden season as solid or superb. Um, the worst it can possibly be is the former because they have achieved yeah. that goal. Right. Bear top six in your second season back up is not bad at all. That's fantastic as far as I'm concerned, but I'm not a Dundee United fan, Tom. And you yeah, know what you there are the centers. You know what United fans me. United fans want well, they'll be delighted to see their team in the top six, but they want more. 
they want more. They want that European slot. They want to be involved in over the summer months. And we know the riches that are, you know, that are at stake. You saw St Johnston came very close to getting themselves in in the in the hat, like for the, for the group stages. And uh, we all know what sort of money is available. You can get your get yourself into that. So yeah, I mean, Europe now you can lose every game and still be in it for about nine games. Yeah, yeah. well, Celtic were in eight in the, competitions. Yeah, you end up in the primary <laughs> seven Europa. <laughs> That's bizarre. I think, just looking at it, Alan's right, it's pretty pretty medi- mediocre there. You look at that top six, Celtic and Rangers are fighting their own battle for the title. Hearts are basically no man's land in third. Mother, Robbie Nielsen. Motherwell only won one league game since the turn of the year. Turn of the year. Turn of the year and yeah. they, they managed to finish sixth. Motherwell have been a funny side for me. I've yeah. watched them and thought they're really poor, but fair play to Graham Alexander and the players for getting themselves into the top six because they've always been able to come up at certain times of the season yeah. and produce results. Now, obviously, what you can't forget is that they had Tony Watt absolutely firing on all cylinders in the first half of the campaign. But the fact is that he actually left and they've still managed to get themselves into the top six. It's credit, credit to them, the, the Motherwell side, but... You know, I think the elephant in the room in that little the little group there, obviously United Ross County and Motherwell are Malky Mackay's Ross County. I think they're going to have to be watched very closely. I think they've got, uh, you know, real well, real I mean, attacking prowess. Until Celtic clinch the league of the dude, yeah. Ross County are surely the happiest group of players. Oh, in the absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and you know, and, uh, and and rightly so. What a, what a job he's done! What a turnaround! When you think how think back to the start of the season when they hardly won a game, I think in the first ten games, and they had COVID issues and things like that. But you know, every time I've seen them, they've, they've been a, a really solid. Uh, they do leak goals now and again, but they seem to have sorted that out a wee bit. But going forward, they're terrific to watch. Mm. They hung ball. You know Reagan, Charles Cook, and, and Jordan White. To be fair, who's who's a, has been around a few clubs in Scotland, but he, he fits. He's a good fit up there with, with the two the two speedy wide men. And uh, having seen their winner against Aberdeen last Saturday, that got them into the top six. I think the twelfth man helped a bit with that <laughs> penalty decision. Although there was one earlier that probably was a penalty. Yeah, yeah. I think well, uh, our friends in the north, who obviously our sister paper, the Evening Express and the Press and Journal, they, <laughs> they made a big thing about that. I've got to say, but to be fair, they did say that they should have a penalty. Beforehand, um, yeah, but I'd be I'd be watching Ross County. I think they're the biggest threat to taking fourth spot from Dundee United, which I makes would, the last game of the season quite tantalising up in Dingwall, twelve fifteen kickoff. <laughs> so it's early cans for the United fans on that one. But it's, it's what a spot you are! He's already at the last game. <laughs> well, it's just George has given us such wonderfully <laughs> I know, I thorough notes. There it is. Yeah, it's, to turn the it's page, on the back. Other, yeah. other page tab. Our <laughs> host with the most there. Who's ever written two pages? <laughs> but no, that should be a really interesting one because yeah. I absolutely agree with what Bear's saying there. I, in Hungbo and um, Reagan Charles Cook, I think um, Ross County have a couple of the most exciting attackers that don't play for either Celtic Rangers or Hearts this season. And to be fair to the SPFL, that's a, it's obviously a gamble because you, you don't know what's going to happen, but that's a good game to schedule last that mate. Yeah, absolutely. Give you something, give people something to look at. Could be a fourth place shootout, definitely. Yeah. Well, it, look, it looks like a straight shootout between the three of them for for fourth, isn't it? One hundred. Well, obviously, is because Hearts are so far ahead. But the games between the three of them are going to be so key. Last game of the season, that Bears already designing a. We are heading for Europe <laughs> banner. <laughs> Get extra bins on the A nine. <laughs> but I mean, it's a, in terms of what uh, George is saying about that shootout. I mean. 
the fixtures have come out pretty nicely for Dundee United. It has to be said, you know, playing kicking Hearts off at two homes. Yeah, yeah, kicking off at home against Hearts, who, as we say, are and comfortably in third place they've got that sorted and could very well be preparing for a Scottish Cup final and starting to cast their mind towards that and then you've got home to Motherwell and again I'm finding myself in agreement with Bear awful lot I, I don't I've not been hugely impressed with Motherwell I think they're inconsistent I don't think they win enough games and coming to Tannadice Dundee United will fancy their chances so um, although Dundee United haven't you know strung together consecutive wins too often this season I would I would look at that and say you know a bit of luck and a slight improvement in the performances. I think there's six points there to be won. They're, well, they're, they're going to have to put something on the board anyway. The, the two two Glasgow sides coming out exactly. Them. So they need exactly. to get. They, they don't want to be going in the Ross County game chasing, do they? Mm. So, do you know when Ross County play Malo? Oh, too much. That is, that is oh, so oh, deep. It's not. It's not in the. Is that the quiz again this week, uh, George? I think the Press and Journal have got their own see, podcast that was, that on that was, sort of nonsense. That was George's revenge for you being too clever by half. They like knowing all this post-split fixtures for United. No, it was that. I, I was actually just interested because I don't know. I do just as a quick aside. I do notice this. The love the old firm love to win a league at um, <laughs> Tannadice and Celtic are there. On the day, if it, I think that would be the day if them and Rangers were to draw and win all the, the, their other games, that would be flag day for Celtic, so to speak. And I mean, if that I can't was... Tell you, I've, I've seen Rangers and Celtic win the league at Tannerice so often mm. down the years. Rangers have had quite a few successes. If my memory springs correctly, I, mean, I seem to remember Richard Goff, because of former United, you know, Player and, and Walter Smith celebrating as well. Far off, I remember Richard Goff when Rangers lost the title after winning nine in a row. Actually, a Rangers fan collapsing in tears in his arms. And there was lots of manly. Poor <laughs> 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 Richard Goff is like, so okay, pal. <laughs> How do you think I feel? I've just lost a, a five figure sum in a bonus. <laughs> and you're snottering on my, my shoulder now, pal. But it's, a, it's just one of these strange quirks. But are you United going to make Europe or are they going to? Well, I think we might touch on slightly later. Uh, there's a, every chance they'll make Europe because I think it'll probably be five places get you into yeah. Europe. So if I was to pick one team in that top six that's going to miss out, I think it'll be Motherwell. I think they're, uh, not to cushion it, I think they're the worst team in the top six. Um, so I think they'll be the ones that miss out if there's five places. And if there's only four places? Oh, if there's if there's only four places, I think it will go to the last day in Dingwall, and you can't possibly ask me to call that so far out from it. We'll see how things so are looking away. close. We'll it's see how times well, exactly. We'll see how things are looking, but closer to the time. Must admit, I don't miss having to go. It's very nice in Dingwall, but I don't miss the journey. Oh, I was going to invite you up. That's, that's upsetting. I'm doing my hair that day. <laughs> The main thing, Alan, is, is do you have your passport up to date? That's the most important thing. I'll have you know I lived for three years in Wick, so <laughs> Dingwall ain't oh, nothing for me. That's, um, it's a, a slight hop on the way up the road as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm more thinking about United getting to Europe. You'll be going there in June. <laughs> oh, there was yeah, me exactly. thinking you were talking about that. I know, no, 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 no. just did a me and I was thinking exactly the same as you there. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> yeah, see these people that think ahead, it's just... 
it's not it's uh taking your actual point rather than the sarcastic <laughs> one it will be it would be fantastic achievement and we've talked about it in footballing terms but also seeing for the supporters you know this is the first season where uh, after a couple of hellish years for so many reasons where fans are actually able to probably travel depending on what yeah. destination it is and those European trips, those chances to go abroad, um, people you know all over the place are probably just having their first kind of family holidays away or their first city breaks away since uh, this you know, since the, the pandemic happened. So this will be the probably um, you know for for many supporters the first chance to get back abroad and get back supporting uh, their team abroad. And it would be a, I think it would be even with all the special trips abroad and all the you know great European nights that Dundee United have had, I think this one would be really special for the supporters given um, what everyone's gone through since 2020. Yeah, and being optimistic and let's start planning for that trip. Going back to what I said at the start of this section, we we are to develop that. Where would you see them strengthening for next season? Well, the, the final third, absolutely, it's the final third. Um, the more creativity in the heart of midfield that will be helped when Peter Paul and Ian Harks are fully fit. But you need more creativity in midfield. You need a final product from the flanks, which isn't regular. I mean, I really like uh, Liam Smith and Kieran Freeman as hard-working uh, right, you know, right wing backs. Likewise, Ilmari Niskanen has been a really hard-working left wing back. But there's not enough final products. Then you know, they either need to improve in terms of the output, or there needs to perhaps be options in terms of personnel, and whether or not. I would have my doubts that they'll potentially go for Mark McNulty on a permanent basis based on this season. They might prove me wrong. Mark might have a fantastic finale to the season. But in terms of that out-and-out number nine, um, there's just not been enough goals from that position, partly due to a lack of creativity behind them. But also, you know, you don't like to single people out, but it's another big, big mischance at the weekend where yeah. Mark f fired mm -hmm. over from six yards out. And there's been a couple of those. So you would say... Number nine, bit of magic in the heart of midfield, and I would like to see. Doesn't he play every week? But a wide player just with a bit of you know a bit of magic in the boot, something can create something from nothing. I think. See, defensively, um, I think there's something you know really solid back there. Ross Graham's emerging into a fine defender. Charlie Mulgrew's easily got another season in him with yeah, the way he's playing. Looks... Ryan Edwards, terrific defender. That's and... a feel guilty, Colin. Charlie Mulgrew effect and the really yeah, strong games. Absolutely cruises it. So yeah. see in terms of that and you know um, diligence in midfield I think that's all there. They've got a real foundation it's now about sprinkling some stardust on that foundation and I guess there's perhaps a question mark over the goalkeeper because uh, I wouldn't imagine Benji will be there and we've not seen Carl Johan Eriksson yet um, although he you would assume is chapping on the door pretty loudly. Well, yeah. I was given, just wondering if, do you think he might get yeah. a chance? Honestly, no. I don't uh, think he will. Uh, I don't think Tam Quartz will change his goalkeeper for the running, but it should be an interesting conundrum and it should be a question that we feel within our rights to ask because by the standards that Benjamin yeah. Seagree sets himself, he's fallen below them. Um, the mistake against Celtic was a howler and while they might not go down as howlers, both of the goals against Dundee are ones that are top form on his game, Benjamin Seagree saves and probably saves with ease. So yeah. uh, that allied with the fact that he's not going to be probably Dundee United's first choice goalkeeper next season 
I think we're well within our rights to ask the question, well, what about the Finland international goalkeeper who's just won Sweden's top flight goalkeeper of the year that you've got sitting on the bench and hasn't been seen yet? So I don't think he'll make that decision, but it's a fair conversation mm. to be having. Yeah, bear in a funny way, does Tigris' wee dip in the recent games, does it, all, does it make it harder for Tam Courts? Because if Tigris was playing at top form, you can basically turn around and say, I have to look at my other goalkeeper. And everybody knows that's confirmation you know, mm-hmm. that Seagrist's moving on. But but I suppose managers can't afford to be sentimental. But you don't want, you don't want when the boy's looking for a new, or maybe finalising a new deal elsewhere, and he's been such a popular player and such a good player for United, you don't want him dropped. You want to be able to say, and people believe, you know, I need to look at my other goalie. But be a smart thing to do to look at the yeah, but now is definitely not the time. I mean, yeah. there's too much at stake, and dropping Benjamin Segrist, absolutely no way. I mean, I know he's made it maybe a, a couple of blunders, and he's not been his usual high quality self in recent games. But you just, just no way. There's no way you can drop drop Benjamin Segrist for the last five games. Um, he's too an important player for them. Um, you go back and it's uh, the last, last time I was thinking one or two but you had to wield the axe big time what was that for, for Seagrass last five I yeah think. no I think uh. I honestly think I, I think there's a case for taking him out of the team if United have got the, the European spot secured and absolutely it would be a great chance to get get this lad in but unfortunately the, the, things are so tight at this point in time I would say no you just don't change your keeper and, and unfortunately for for the guy who's waiting in the wings, he's just going to have to wait probably until the summer months and until the friendlies come along before he gets, gets his opportunity. But, I mean, it would be a massive, massive slap in the face to drop Benjamin Segrist for a couple of, couple of, couple of as I say, a, a couple of... The one against Celtic, he was unfortunate. I think the ball bubbles up and hits him. And, and to be fair, Jakob Marcus is on, on it like a flash. It's in the back of the net before it hits the ground. Yeah. Against Dundee at the weekend, I mean... I've seen goalkeepers make much worse mistakes than that and keep their place. So, no, he's been too much part of an integral team and a solid, resilient defence at Tandis to take him out of the equation. I think that could be... It's a bigger gamble, much bigger gamble, gamble taking him him out, you know. So, now, Benji for me all the way. And if United do, hopefully, if they get get that European spot secure, then they can. They'll go up to Ross County, absolutely. Get him in, get him in and get Let's have a look at him. And... Seagrass probably on his way at the end of the season, but a hint this week that Ian Harks might not be. Yeah, as far as hints go, it was a fairly strong one. Um, you know, asked if we'll ever see Ian Harks in a Dundee United jersey again, said yes, definitely. Now, given he won't play again uh, this season, um, it's that basically says he's going to be here for the foreseeable future. Because if he was leaving in the summer, then we would never be seeing Ian Harkson in Dundee United shirt again. So it's, um, I think Tam seems pretty pretty confident that negotiations are going in the right way. And when you start to say things like, uh, I'm confident um, Ian Harks sees his future here, that usually, as everyone here well knows, smacks of things being a lot further on in terms of contract negotiations. You don't start speaking with that yeah. sort of positivity unless pretty much the player has said to you, I'm staying. So that, I think that's a real boost because Ian Harks, while um, not always 
you know, um, the most flashy of footballers, very effective footballer in the final third, you know, makes key passes, breaks the lines and has a good shot, which are all things that United have missed from a, a midfield, which can play pretty, pretty patterns, but, you know, doesn't breach the final third as much as uh, the supporters would like. So Harks will be an important player. And if you add a, the kind of final third talent that Alan's demanding... Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. over yeah. the he's, he's one of these players that he, he, like, he's, he's not flashy, but he gets the team up the pitch, doesn't he? John? He does. And talking about, we've talked before on this, but he scores big goals as well. I think yes. all, all these goals this ah, season either been winners, been or, worth a lot of points, or one or one points for draws and stuff. I like him. Well, I liked him as soon as United signed him. They looked like a really technically very good player and good engine on him. He, he maybe needed to. Toughen up a wee bit when he got yeah. to the top flight. That he got pushed about a bit, but he, he seems to have found that level. And then every time you speak to him, he seems perfectly happy. In Dundee, obviously, it's, it's who wouldn't be perfectly <laughs> happy in the city of Dundee? Obviously, his other half plays for Celtic as well mm -hmm. in in this country. So, um, seems I think yeah, it's it's a good match. Yeah, he's a player on the team. He's very, he's a very level-headed, yeah. intelligent fella, and I don't think his head is going to be turned by anything flashy. I think he's going to make a sensible decision based on, you know, effectively what, what you would call in the real world his work-life balance. And as George yeah. alludes yeah. to there, I think that's very good with Dundee United. And I, I think if it's, it it's might like, mean that his partner plays for Celtic Ladies must be in a funny way help because. It's hard. Hard to move. If both, if, both, uh, yeah. The both would have want to find a, a club yeah. within driving distance of their home. So, yeah, uh, it's definitely part of it. I think, but also from a Dundee United point of view, if they get themselves into Europe, then surely a, a player who has he's talked about his ambitions to get into the USA first team, if he's playing in Europe, that gives him a much better chance of doing that. So it's so maybe one of these where he's waiting to see what, what happens, but I, I think if, if United are going for Europe, it's they'll keep him. Absolutely. And hey, if they need a if they need a striker, we've just been speaking about how relegation changes things the, in the context of a player going to a club. Lauren Shanklin might be looking for a club. Could be. This summer he's been relegated in Belgium. Aye, it's um Do you think United fans would Quite happy oh, back, welcome yeah. him back with open yeah. arms. Eh? Well, when we're talking would about the problem, be the the wage. Or, yeah, well, I mean, when you're talking about a, a number nine, a clinical goal scorer. Now, Lauren Shackland didn't really get the opportunity to show that in the Premiership mm. because he was played left side of a front three. Uh, if you play him as the number, if you play him where Mark McNulty has played this season for Dundee United, I think he scores goals. Yeah, yeah, he's proven that. He's he's proven a. a a potent force and a dreadful team in Belgium. He scored five goals and got four assists from 26 games. Now, look at the Belgian top flight table. The ball, yeah, Beershaw is absolutely hopeless. In that <laughs> last game at the weekend, he hit the bar from 50 yards. Just that's that's what it's Here come to the for him. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I I don't doubt that he would be welcomed back with open mm. arms by Dundee United but fans. His contract situation will be a really interesting one. I don't know if he's there's a relegation clause in there that would maybe drop what is probably quite a handsome wage. Um, I can I can imagine he's pretty desperate to get yeah. back to British football because this is a player yeah. who was recently in the Scotland squad. I imagine he wants to get back to Britain and scoring goals on these shores again and getting back. 
towards that international scene, whether or not Dundee United are an option. If it worked financially, given everyone within the building at Tanadice know him and know what he can bring to the party, I'm sure they would be among his suitors, but... It'd be a competition though. It'd be a lengthy list, as George said. Yeah, really lengthy list. Yeah, aye. Was I mean, unlucky in that you made loads of money. (laughs) Let's not not kid ourselves. But but in a pure football sense, was he unlucky in that it was always going to be a difficult first season for any striker when United came back up, any team coming back up. And the way, but the way they've played, been set up this season, the way they've played, he'd probably scored quite a few goals there. Yeah, he might have. Uh, Mickey Mellon came in and changed the, the structure which he had to do to make sure that United consolidated in their first season and, and they did that perfectly well. But, you know, the downside to that was they didn't create very much at all. No. And, that, and and like every striker, you, you're only as good as the service you get. And, and Lawrence Shanklin suffered because of that. And as Alan said, he was playing all over the place. You know, you were seeing him picking up the ball away on the left, away on the right. And Lawrence Shanklin's best places between the sticks in the, in the 18 yard box. Instead, I always thought one of his problems for such a clinical penalty box striker was that willingness. He would chase back 40 yeah. yards. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he was. He and would do his work, defensive work for the team, and sometimes that's a wee bit counterproductive for a striker. Well, it is, Tom, but I mean, we've seen down the years when he, the top strikers, they all work hard. The top tops, you look in England, there, there isn't anybody nowadays that, that doesn't work, and Lawrence Shanklin has got that in his locker, but it does affect his game in terms of what he, his best quality, which is scoring goals. Um, so, whether, I mean, like you say, and Alan says, United fans would welcome him back, there's absolutely no doubt about that. But then what, they've got Tony Watt. Well, I, mean, I was going to say that, and, and well, they've got Tony Watt, they've also got Tony Watt on it, on it. Yeah. A nice contract as well. So it's how you, you finance the deal to bring Lauren Shanklin back as well if they were going to do that. But what, the, what my question would be, would, do they absolutely need a Lauren Shanklin well, back? What, or do they well, need somebody just, who's going to I'm supply Tony Watt? I'm just going to else, you know, name in the ring here, and it's Danny Mon. I thought Danny Mon... Oh, don't, don't start that. No, I, I thought... Rumours, yeah. I, I know that nobody's saying too much on the, on the test. I thought Danny Mon had a terrific game. He missed that chance here, but his overall yeah. play was sound. You see what Danny uh, Danny Mon brings to the team, the work rate. Um, you know, he, he, he's a pest, an mm. absolute pest if he can keep himself fit. Now, his return is not in double figures yet for Dundee, but it's not... It could be, though. It's not disappointing. No. I think it will up to George, seven or eight goals. Seven, or yeah. So, if in you the, get, in a, the, in if the you get yeah. a Danny Mon-type player at Tannadice and somebody else using Danny as a foil to get more goals... And you might have a better prospect than a Lawrence Shanklin coming in alongside Tony Watt. And it might be a cheaper prospect as well. But Could that be the answer? That you, inst- I mean, I'm saying get, get Shanklin in the penalty box, isn't it? But could the answer be get Watt in the penalty box and sign a Danny Mullen? Which, let's, for those not in the know, which is usually me, there are, there's <laughs> persistent rumours that... Uh, uh, that doesn't make it true, mm. but persistent rumours linking him with a move to United. But, but if it's not Danny Mullen, that kind of that kind of hard working striker, to maybe take the a bit of the workload off Tony Watt, and he can just concentrate on the goals. It would certainly free up Tony to be a lot more potent in the final third. We know Tony Watt can score goals. We know he can play off the shoulder and be a really really good number nine. So um, that would make sense on a lot of levels. Certainly with that one and. It would, you know, give 
Tony Watt the credit that perhaps his performances so far have deserved because he's been getting a bit of stick for his lack of goals when he's playing in a position where you'd need to be Lionel Messi to actually score goals. He is doing and playing everything. well, isn't he? He's playing really well, playing really, really well. Um, actually, didn't have his best game against Dundee, but certainly in the you know few games prior to that, so creative, so hard working, and doing probably the job of two or three different players because we've spoken about that lack of. Um, um, what newfangled coaches would call verticality in midfield in terms of you know actually, you are to this podcast it's, it's, uh, you know he's he's having to, he's having to drop deep and, yeah. and almost be that midfield bringing the ball forward because they don't have somebody naturally dropping between the lines and doing that job so he's been playing wide central floating all over the shop pretty much everywhere except from in the box yeah. so if he you seems get, to quite like it though doesn't he he seems he seems to like that involved it's another striker that likes to be involved outside mm. the box. He just seems pretty seems pretty chilled and content yes, just at the moment, yeah. Tony Watt. I think he's found uh I don't know if anyone you know read his quotes prior to the Derby when he was talking about, you know, when we kinda of put it to him with the any element of, you know, Dundee United players enjoy edging Dundee a little bit closer to the um, to the drop and he basically said I have no room for negativity because if you let negativity into your life then it can foster there and I'm going I feel like I'm talking to a monk like it was, it was probably the most thoughtful uh, yeah. answer to a question like that that I've ever heard in my life and he just seems yeah he seems very content placid happy with his lot and ready to do whatever the team asks of him um, perhaps next season what the team asks of him will be to play on the shoulder get in the box and score goals he should try being a Dundee fan if he has no room for negative. He said bitterly. <laughs> Interesting stuff, chaps. After this, we'll move on to something else. Because it's all off the cuff this week. <laughs> and now for part three, and it's a, it's a surprise part three. I've got some brown envelopes here. Uh, the, the, and, uh, the, the surprise is we're going to just talk about football and not have a quiz. <laughs> no, it's obviously a big, big uh, cup weekend, both sides of the border. And if we take them in chronicle or chronological, or, I can't even say it, and I don't even know if I'm going to get it right anyway. <laughs> in chronic order. <laughs> chronic order. Who's going to lose? Uh, no, in chronological order, it's an Edinburgh derby first. Yeah, you'll notice by the notes that I... I had no awareness that the Scottish Cup semi-finals were this weekend because I covered Dundee, I followed oh. Queen of the South <laughs> and I, was, exactly. I had no idea the FA Cup semis were on either because I'm a Man U fan as when well. When was so. it? 2004, 2005, Dundee were last in a semi. Wow. Well, it's going back to that play, I think it was it Gretna. Gretna. Yeah, that was a... That was a great day. That was a good day, <laughs> spoiled by the football again. But um, no, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to them. It should be good. T- what time is the kick-off? That's a, that's a thing on Saturday. It's a Hearts-Hibs first... Hearts Hibs is twelve thirty, I believe. Yeah, yeah. see, that's disappointing. Tal, I've got to say, and you know, I always always feel that it's such a big day. And I spoke about this at the quarterfinal stage as well, where I don't think there was one game played on a Saturday afternoon at three. So to play the Hearts Hibs game, all the all the you know the fans will have to travel through from Edinburgh. And hey, stop moaning. At least they've got trains, uh-huh. like the Manchester City and Liverpool <laughs> yeah. fans. Yeah, but it just takes it. I think it takes it away a wee bit, you know, from the, the yeah. occasion, the, the twelve thirty kickoff. It's a big one for Dundee United. It's the Edinburgh Derby. Basically, put in simplistic terms, if Hearts beat Hibs, then fifth place will get 
into Europe, which could have massive mm-hmm. ramifications for Dundee United. So um, if any United fans have heart scarf kicking about or can bring themselves to cheer on a Robbie Nielsen team, <laughs> yeah, um, which is probably... Dundee United manager, <laughs> I'm sure that's what's uppermost in Robbie Nielsen's mind. This so um, then, uh, and, but even then, if Hibs were to get to the final, they would actually need to win that final to take a European place. So basically... Dundee United fans should want Hibs not to win the Scottish Cup. So, but they've definitely United fans have definitely got cause to be interested this weekend. That's for sure. The other two jump in when you want. Who are they? If Hibs were to get to right. no you two. All right. If Hibs, <laughs> if, if Hibs were to get to the final, they'd have to have a shot. They don't have yeah. many, do they? they, they no. They, 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 they're they're, they're Sean not. Sean Maloney to big. Big game for him. Mm, I think so, yeah. Because there, there will be a bit of pressure on him not making the top six, even though he's only in the job, what, what three months, two months, something like that. You can see that there's a style of play he's looking to implement, but he's not quite there yet. Um, missing the final pass quite a lot. Saw him against Dundee not so long ago, and Dundee were more than happy to just basically stand there and let them pass the ball about at the back and, and not hurt them particularly much so that's it's a big thing for a manager to have the fans going into next season believing that they've got the right man in place and that there's better times ahead that's that's the thing that Sean Maloney has to prove to the, the Hibs fans I would say um, plus if you manage to beat your local rivals it always helps in a big game and Peter I'm disappointed you didn't write down George's answer because Rangers Celtic it's a big game for Giovanni. <laughs> it almost goes the same for Van Brockhurst, doesn't it? It could it could define his if if Rangers lose the league and then get knocked out by Celtic this weekend, Van Brockhurst's under a lot of pressure. I don't mean yeah. as in he'll be replaced the next day, but he he would have to start next season very well. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's Obviously, the league has gone. You would expect, damn it, Celtic. I think the problem he's got is Celtic are banging for him at this point in time. Rangers aren't playing poorly, but Celtic are absolutely flying. They look as though they've got goals from every corner of their team. And even even the substitutes look as though they've got goals in them. Um, yeah, so he, he needs he needs a result. Now, obviously, they've got the, the European game tomorrow night against Braga. A lot could depend on that if they can get themselves by that one. They're still in with a chance there. But old firm games, you know, you just never know which way they're going to go, Tom. It could boil down to a sending off, a, a penalty kick, you know. Um, but if you're looking at purely purely on a forum basis, Celtic are the, are the team you would expect to come out on top. And, you know, it'd be tough for Van Bronckhorst because he, he has taken, he's taken on, I think he's taken on uh, Steven Gerrard's team and, and done really well. But then if he doesn't get them, you know, into the Scottish Cup final and, and things go poorly tomorrow night in Europe, then the, the fans may actually start thinking that he's not the man. You know, he hasn't taken them any forward, any further forward. And, and you know, that's a bad place to be for the, the Celtic Greens. It's black or white. You've got, they've got to win this game on Sunday. I thought it was blue or green. That is blue. Where have I been? <laughs> That's my TV. Yeah, I know. You need a new TV. <laughs> See these ones that take 10 minutes to turn on? They're antique. But it's amazing, Alan, if you think, because, yeah, it's I mean, my impression of Van Bronck. He's a great player. I loved watching him. But also a very good manager. But it just shows 
in a matter of a, a few games, uh, you, you can be under extreme pressure. Yeah, it's the it's the nature of um, Scottish football and probably football fans in general that you always veer towards the negativity of a, a situation, which is obviously Rangers falling behind and who's the manager, what have they done wrong. Celtic have been fabulous, you know, in most other years. That Rangers performance recently in the old farm at Ibrooks, that performance would have beaten a lot of Celtic sides um, in the past. Uh, you know, that's the Rangers had a lot of possession, created a lot of chances in the first half, exploded out the blocks, but Celtic were good enough to stick with them, score their first chance, and then kick on and be so hard to beat in the in the second half, defended so brilliantly well, which is the aspect of Angie Postacoglu's side that people you know, debated at the the start of the season. So Celtic have added that sort of uh, defensive stoicness to their, their play that I think a lot of people didn't think they had. So I'd be more inclined to look at just how good Celtic have been rather than any particular failings. Rangers haven't been clinical enough in the final third in a lot of games. It's been no. a little bit tippy-tappy playing in front of teams that are a little, you know, are happy to sit in. Saw that against Dundee in the league yeah. game for 15 minutes. And they've, and they've missed Morelos. <clears throat> they've hugely missed Morelos in the games that he hasn't played and that will be a loss going forward for the rest of this campaign. But rather than focus on failings of Van Bronckhorst, of which there are some, and I would argue they're fairly minor. Oh, uh, definitely. It's the, I would focus on just how good Celtic have been. It's a it's a pretty special team that uh, Postacoglu's assembled in a short space of time. It'll be fascinating to see you know, how they kick on next season with a, a potential crack at the Champions League and, and all that jazz, having had another summer to, to build, because he seems to have an eye for a player. He really yeah. does. And... Well, Alan Surgeon George will go against type and finish on a positive note. It's, it's the hope for Scottish football as a whole. Postacoglu's success at Celtic so far, he's he's, he's got to win the big trophies, uh, which he's on course to do. He wants to win every game. He, he He's an attacking manager that plays inter, entertaining football. And as as Beer said at the, at the start today, too often games here, games here are about teams trying to cancel each other out or mm. being cagey. He wants to go for it, doesn't he? And that's that's great to see. Yeah, and we've, we've seen that with well, how many goals have they scored? I can't even count that up. I don't think forty-four and thirty-four, whatever that is, seventy-seven. It's not bad. Oh, uh, 44, 44 and thirty-four. Yeah, the, when they're in full flow, uh, they're something else to watch. Uh, and he did, I mean, sometimes it, there's been a couple of games in Europe where they've had their, their backsides felt, so yeah. to speak. That's something so that it doesn't always work, but he, take the, he takes the chance, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, they absolutely go for it. I mean, I, I was at Celtic Park for the, I think it was the first time they, they clicked, because obviously they'd had a really sticky start. Their defence was all over the place, but then they played Dundee. Uh, <laughs> and Kyogo exploded in, onto the scene and he, he was incredible and then they've, he seems to have added another maybe not quite that absolute level but he's added another two and three that are not far off him uh, and really exciting real intensity by the way they play and it's yeah I think it's really good for Scottish football and the manner he wants his team to play and it's right in the front foot getting after teams and scoring goals I would like to see him do it in Europe, uh, although I'm not a Celtic fan, but I want to see our teams doing well in Europe and Celtic have how many competitions did they get knocked out of? 
three, I think. Mm. And they, they struggled in it. There's a funny thing. I mean, Rangers look like a team more suited yeah. to Europe and Celtic are more suited to domestic football. Yeah, it just shows. I, I would like to see them both It's difficult well. being a manager when yeah. you're fighting on several fronts. It'd be interesting, though, if, if the, the two of them can get to the Champions League next season. I think Scottish football as a whole, we're getting more teams in Europe and hopefully we can get teams further in Europe. Uh, I think we're heading in, the, in that direction as well at the moment. And hopefully... Next season, we might have Dundee United in a European competition, but I'd like to see teams in the full Champions League as well. We'll finish on that. Dundee United back in Europe. What more positive news could you want, Alan? Don't mind it. Right, that's us. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tele Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to the telly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>